Hello and welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiacs.com and thank you for joining us. You can uh, hear us on our Twitter feed, at Enthusiacs, and check out our video content on YouTube channel, Enthusiacs. Um, my name is Jeff, or Baron Fang, and our guests today are Greg. Welcome back to you, Greg. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me back on Point Streak. And uh, a new guest, uh, Nick. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Nice to be here. And like we do at the uh, top of all Point Streaks, uh, let's just hit what have we all been playing lately? How about you, Greg? Nothing, Jeff. <laughs> I have literally, I haven't played a single game since the last time I was on Point Streak. <laughs> wow, and that must have been, God, three weeks ago now. Yeah, if not that was actually quite a while ago, in fact. Um, I guess, I don't know if this counts, since I'm a filthy casual now. I've been playing the, uh, the <laughs> Arkham Origins game on the Android operating system. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's like okay. a really weird. It's like it's just fighting. You're not doing any really Batmany stuff. It's just kind of a fighting game. Um, it's it's fun in that I can do it for like really brief stints of time, and then just just drop it and go on and do something else. So okay, but it you know what? That's what I've been playing. So we'll go, we'll go that way. <laughs> we're not that's gonna we're sound, not gonna qualify it. <laughs> doesn't sound quite as bad that way. So yeah, that's what I've been playing. Arkham Origins for the Android operating system. How about uh, how about you, Nick? Oh, I um <clears throat> I play a few games right now, but I, I tend to play things in a long, drawn out, slow burn kind of way. So larger games when I get time. So I'm going through Dark Souls two right now. Ah. And uh, I spent a lot of time playing Tekken Revolution with a few things sprinkled here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Now I've been. Uh, I haven't been playing much lately, but I've just got back into uh, Borderlands. Just uh, finishing off the uh, four DLCs for the original Borderlands. Um, yeah. And Warframe too, right? Oh yeah, Warframe here and there. I mean, yeah. I, see, I, I listen to Point Streak. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably get in. You know, at least I I, lo I log in to get my daily rewards uh, every day, but I I, I play. It couple times a week just to keep my uh, skills up in the meantime it's a big release coming soon so i'll be back into it soon enough anyway um we assembled this team uh to talk about a, t uh, a particular subject that um i think you and i greg had the idea to do this yeah god eight ten months ago maybe uh, quite a while ago yeah. yeah almost a year i think i don't actually know what the original uh i like what it was that that uh, triggered that whether it was a game that was out there in the news that was particularly buggy or something or i think it might have been colonial marine alien colonial marine that would you know that <laughs> that would that... make sense <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah we we had the idea to do it uh, quite a while ago and um eventually uh you uh had the idea to um bring nick in on this so we have yeah. uh, two people with some knowledge of it rather than well, Other than the, just me. <laughs> the idea was because you. you wanted you wanted somebody with QA experience, and and mm. at, on on the site at the time that was me. Yeah. Um, now the, my experience is that I have done mostly contract QA work. Um, I've mentioned before I've done work on a pretty low low distribution in, indie title game, but you know it's nothing that I would really call as like real video game experience. But it does give me a little bit of perspective. So. What I would call the Nick. Nick has not only been doing QA for about twice as long as I have, but he actually has. Uh, in addition to that, you you basically have a release on just about every scale of video games that there is, from mobile to indie to AAA. Is that right, Nick? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, that's true. I uh, I'm working in mobile now. I started out in console, and I've worked on uh, 007 games 
So I suppose you'd count that as triple A. Okay, excellent. They had a TV right, was a, yeah. Well, that's great because uh, you know if we were going to ta- tackle this t- topic, uh, if we <laughs> if we didn't have anyone with actual Q and A experience, it would just be a bunch of ag- angry gamers sitting around complaining about games with bugs and no uh, context. <laughs> yeah. Which I which I would have been happy to do. It just wouldn't have been nearly right. as interesting or. <laughs> or, yeah. or However, or, it's also what prompted us to want to do this in the first place. Because one of the reasons I, I I said that it was a good idea is because a lot of people sit around and just complain about QA without really understanding what goes into it. And we've been blamed, uh, as I'm speaking the royal we, as QA individuals, <laughs> quality analysts, have been blamed for everything under the sun, from E.T. to the Mass Effect 3 ending, to Alien <laughs> Colonial Marines, to Benghazi. I mean, it's, <laughs> oh, it's been all us. Yeah. And, and some of that's not fair. Benghazi, that's fair. But the rest of it has been completely unfounded. Look, I, I think uh, I think over time um, people have come to realize the reality of what goes on in QA a bit a bit better. So ho- hopefully, hopefully that uh, hopefully the, the misconceptions people have aren't as bad as they used to be. Um, particularly in an age when, uh, and we'll get to this later. I, g- I gather a lot of this stuff is outsourced and uh, in- increasingly done in a really sort of mercenary type fashion. Um, whereas I gather in the past it was, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I gather in the past it was a lot more in-house um, sort of testing. Um, well, well, that, we... that kind of, de- I'm sorry, that de- kind of depends on which developer, which publisher. There mm. are a lot of large external testing facilities of various levels of cost and quality, but still, uh, at least in video game QA, a lot of developers will be kind of skittish if a lot of your testing is going to be external or outsourced uh, because you don't have that same level of uh, responsiveness or even um, uh, uh, comfort and familiarity with the language. So if you're outsourcing your QA to India, there's going to be a bit of weird uh, verbiage in the bug write-ups and such. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, communication is king when you're talking about QA. Yeah, every every QA I've been involved, every QA project I have done in-house QA. The only external stuff that uh, I've ever seen done are things like so. Once you actually check out the code, then you got to ship it out to somebody who like has access to different rig setups who can then check to make sure that it works on every possible combination of drivers, et cetera, and et cetera. Yeah, sending like compatibility testing like that external is probably a pretty good way to do it because. Uh, when if you're trying to maintain a hard uh, a large hardware catalog internally can be really cumbersome as opposed to some external agency all they have to do is verify functionality of various things that you give them on various devices various uh, hardware profiles Uh, they can support the cost of maintaining that large library much more easily than uh, locally you would be able to yeah, plus these smaller these smaller studios, they can't afford to try to get that sort of thing, like even to imagine it. So, right. and these guys who do these compatibility tests, from my impression, they don't seem like they're all that expensive. They're actually relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of the budget. Yeah. What's the prevalence of like contract work versus people that like, you know, a permanent QA guy that works for this publisher or developer and just only works on those internal games versus someone who gets, uh, you know, does work for uh, on a hit hit by hit basis. Uh, is is that is that still relatively rare? Is it, it again depend on the size of the publisher? Uh, some of it will depend on the size of the publisher or the developer. So, um, uh, and I, I 
one thing that might be good to, to establish here is there's a difference between the developer and the publisher mm. uh, or, or whatever depends on the different models that everybody has with the developer. You can basically say that's where everything's getting coded mm. and the publisher, are the people who are responsible for actually distributing it to people, yeah. doing marketing, uh, analytics, any of that stuff. So they take care of all the business and the developer is just the one who codes it and hands it to the developer. To but the uh, Yeah. Sorry. Right, um, right. But uh, you can also, there can be QA at every level across there. Okay. Generally speaking, a lot of your QA is going to be on some form of contract rather than, um, uh, I suppose you call it a regular employee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be full time in the sense of you're almost certainly going to be guaranteed 40 hours a week. So you can't really use full time, part time as a descriptor there. But it right. would be on a contract that most likely has an expiration date. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people who've been in game QA for any real period of time know that, you know, to get a, uh, a regular or full-time position, it'd be a bit of a matter of timing and luck. It's yeah. just that the harder you work and the better work you do, the luckier you'll be. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been in a position where uh, our QA department actually had a hiring freeze. We were not allowed to bring on any con- any contractors onto a, a, a regular full-time position, but there was one guy whose contract was set to expire who was so awesome, we were able to put together a report that said just how much work he was doing relative to the rest of the department and pretty much forced the company to, to bring him on as a regular full-time. Okay, so there's actually... Uh... There's opportunities for people who uh, who you know make it worth their while to uh, to get yeah. to get a full time position rather than be on contract. Yeah, to be honest, like I got my start in QA as uh, I, like I said, it's, I do mostly contract work, and it was just supposed to be a temporary. They needed a body to fill a QA slot on a contract, and it was a, a lot of well, let's see how this guy does. And I ended up uh, doing such a good job that. Uh, not only was I kept on for the follow-on contracts and made a full-time tester, but I was actually transferred from my original slot at the company to the a new department so that I could act as a full-time tester for their gear. Right. Um, we uh, one of the other reasons that we remembered uh, to do this um, uh, this this topic again was uh, bringing up the subject of the trenches web comic, which mm. uh, is mm. uh, co-created by the guys from Penny Arcade and uh, I believe Scott Kurtz from. Uh, PVP, and I think it's I think it's a comic that we were all reading independently of one another. Or Greg, did Nick show it to you or something? Yeah, like Nick that? showed I've it to me. I've, I've very recently become aware of this comic, but uh, but Nick showed it to me. Uh, I don't know when it was. As of recording time, about a month ago, was it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, I I bring it up because uh, the, in the uh, in the plot, uh, they're go the uh, the ca- the main characters, all the people in Q and A, are transitioning from a relatively small company to uh, and there's I think it's on hiatus at the moment, but they've just been bought by a uh, <laughs> or, or absorbed into a AAA, so they're making that transition from a relatively small sort of indie company to uh, AAA. Um, I guess Nick, you've uh, Unless, uh, unless I'm wrong, Greg, you've not done any. That, like I said, you, you were saying um, most of the games you've worked on have been relatively small. Yeah. Um, relatively uh, small. I would even just call them. I mean, relatively small compared to the QA. I guess the only people they look bigger next to is the guy working in his garage. <laughs> that's about the only level that's beneath uh, where I've worked. Well, well I'll, I'll ask both of you then. Uh, I mean, although I know, I gather Nick, you'd have more direct experience. Other than the fact that we're talking about a big company versus a smaller company with relatively few hands, what 
what what would be the main difference between Q and A at an indie sort of level versus AAA? Is it really just the numbers involved, or is it essentially the same process, just blown up to a bigger scale? Or um, well, in terms of the actual testing itself, you can call that the same sort of thing. If it's a smaller title, then any individual tester is going to have more familiarity with the entirety of the project. And on a larger one, you're going to have a larger team and you have to focus on smaller areas. Right. In terms of the company itself, um, I suppose it's a little similar in the sense of if it's a smaller company, you're much more familiar with everybody around you. If it's a larger company, things kind of get a little faceless, but that's probably not at all unique to gaming. Yeah. yeah. And uh, is... <laughs> As somebody who's worked in both, do you have a preference, or do they both? Is it fair to say that they both have their challenges uh, and pros and cons? Um, well, <clears throat> in a in a larger company, it's easier to not look like you're horrible, but it's also <laughs> more difficult to stand out. And when you do look bad, you look really bad. <laughs> But uh, generally, I think I'd prefer to work in smaller teams myself. Yeah. Um, it, it's much easier to, to get through things. Um, if you need someone for something, you can just go over there and ask them. People generally don't get too uh, hung up about certain levels of procedure. And Greg, uh, without speaking for you, I've, I've heard you kind of talk on this subject before, and, you, and it seems like you like the fact that... Uh, you don't have to go through quite as many hoops to uh, get things done, answer questions, and 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 thus you'd probably be a bit more suited to the uh, in smaller size uh, projects yeah. that you've been working on. Yeah, especially if you compare what I do, even my my contract and, and commercial stuff to you know these these AAA publishers. I am we're tiny. You know, it's a it's a small team of you know maybe forty people doing this work. So when I have a question, I don't you know even I'll submit the bug report. We still do everything the same way. But if I need like updated information on the bug, I'll just go right down to the to the guy's office next door and say, hey, you know, Joe, what's the status of this thing? And hey, let me just explain to you what I wrote here. And just the ability to be able to just kind of walk next door and at a moment's notice have all of the developers' attention, be able to like, talk to them about something. Yeah, uh, it's just something that i can't imagine in in the big trip a world that they have because you just there's too many <laughs> you've no, seen that... that list of credits scroll by you just can't. <laughs> yeah yeah that's actually that's that's exactly it is being able to talk with the uh programmers and engineers quickly uh it makes a really big difference i've been in places where the engineer and the qa were sitting right next to each other and working on things and you would have a very fast back and forth very fast iteration of builds when I was at Electronic Arts, QA was in its own building. You weren't allowed to talk to the engineers unless they called for you specifically. It was very Jeez. regimented like that. And you know, like Make no said, eye a... contact with the engineers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make you sign riders. That level of segregation in the group. But this, this was about 10 years ago and at, at Electronic Arts. And there was... Um, a lot of just I, I i even think that our lunch hours were staggered which, <laughs> which sounds worse than it is because i think they also just wanted us to not overwhelm the cafeteria yeah. sure did you guys have to like take a different bus <laughs> yeah, was there, is there a too? different menu was there the uh the engineer's menu and the qa menu i wonder like, not that i'm aware of but away. i didn't Let's bring look, out I... the gruel the testers are coming <laughs> Eat your gruel and back in your cave. <laughs> um, 
Well, I might ask some questions about terminology just because I, I blank on this stuff a little bit and maybe some of our listeners uh, would be interested. Um, I was, uh, I'm not afraid to admit, Wikipediaing uh, game testing because uh, if there, and guys, if there's a resource out there that explains it better, I'd, I'd be curious to know, but <laughs> I kept ending, I kept ending up back in Wikipedia. Um, I've heard that there's, uh, there's three different types of bugs, A bugs, B bugs, and C bugs. Is that an oversimplification or is that actual, is actually a real thing? Uh, uh, a, B, and C as severities do exist. Uh, they can also, that's usually what people enter. A bugs being like your crashes, showstoppers, and, yeah. and absolutely horrible things that you can't release. Uh, crashes are your major example for that. B bugs are your very serious bugs, but not necessarily um, that bad. Um, oftentimes, I use an out of world as uh, as an example for that. So, if you don't know, an out of world is if you find a spot in a map where the geometry doesn't have collision detections, you can fall out. Ah. Uh. That's yeah. when you can see like weird wavy stuff on the screen or you look up and you see the entire world is just flying away from you as you're falling. Oh, yeah. That's an out of world. <laughs> and your sea bugs are going to be like bad textures, text issues, um, graphical or audio glitches. D bugs and E bugs are varying levels of minor polish issues. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we we kind of I we use a simple method at our work just to kind of dummy it down for people. Like A's are crashes, B's are blocks, C's the system operates normally, D's are minor, and then E's are enhancements. Right. And I take it uh, when it gets down to crunch time, and I'll I'll get to that term in a minute. Uh, the increasingly the D's and E's and C's just are fall by the wayside in terms of you know focus focus on the uh the criticals and let the other stuff slide yeah um that, that... a lot of that stuff a lot of that stuff always depends on the project because different producers are going to have different priorities right uh there's i've been on projects where they said no don't enter any polish bugs until we say so and they kind of just never said so and other people <laughs> said oh now now it's time to enter and, and other times it's been like oh go for it go for it um, so yeah, sometimes there's weird stuff that's off limits. Um, and you know, in terms of productivity, it makes sense because look, there's no point in bugging this. They know stuff isn't working yet. It's not ready for review. So you don't bug it, but sometimes they get a little overzealous with that. I was on one game where there's like, don't bug the lighting. Don't bug the lighting. The lighting people are super hardcore. They will get to everything that we will let you know when you can bug the lighting. <laughs> and by the way, they let us bug the lighting. They were not interested in fixing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you had weird things like a light from the other room was splashing across the floor outside the room, even though the door was closed. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't house, exactly. A... <laughs> hmm? That's how light works, Nick. How does it work at your house? <laughs> does the wall stop the light in your house? You <laughs> um, people live in glass houses, man. <laughs> another another term that uh, I think a lot of people think they understand completely, and I admit I don't fully know the distinction uh, like quite as clearly as uh, as I thought I did, is the difference between alpha and beta. Is <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god! So it, uh, that's, nobody that's knows. So it, nobody so, knows. It, so am I asking a question to which there is no answer? Or... No, it's just no, everyone uses it wrong. To okay. The point where it, it's it's almost in the common language they've developed different meanings because everyone has used them wrong so long right, that right. the developers have started maybe making calling them by the wrong names now. Well, that's been my experience. I don't know if Nick, you guys are a bit more hardcore on your side, but we have well, definitely called things beta that are not beta. <laughs> No. Um, so it's actually a bit interesting in my position right now. Um, our alpha and beta verification actually has to do with contract payments to the developers. So we actually are a little bit more hardcore right now. Um, I actually went through several rounds of an alpha verification recently, and we weren't exactly interested in dealing with any of their bunk excuses for things. Um, but so Here's the definitions of the different phases. You've got your pre-alpha, which is anything before alpha. Once you hit alpha, that means all of the features are present They, in some form. They probably don't work. Many of them probably don't work at all, but there's something there for them, no matter how ugly it is. Beta, on the other hand, technically every beta should be a potential release candidate. Beta means you should have no... Uh, a or B bugs left, and you're just working on finishing finishing up the remaining issues, those uh, C's, D's, and E's, or whatever. Essentially, there's nothing blocking it, and you're just trying to, to finish it. And then, I don't know, I've been in places that they started adding different terminologies and, and different milestones. There's like Gold Master and Release Candidate and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but in a lot of productions, uh, they don't exactly pay too much attention to quote, beta, unquote, to the point where what I like to say is, how do you know when a game's beta? Uh, they started printing beta on the disc. <laughs> I, Literally, I, on one of the projects, that's what happened. It's like, hey, look, are we beta? I don't know. Well, it says beta on the disc. Well, then I guess we're beta. <laughs> I, I just, I've noticed that ever since the, the concept of Steam early access has, uh, has appeared, what's beta and what's not seems to like and and which and, and you know those, those things you were saying about you know no no a and b bugs and all that like i i gather i haven't looked at a lot of alpha um, early access games on steam but i gather that the uh the quality level varies quite <laughs> widely I, I have seen some that i don't even know if, if pre-alpha would be exact <laughs> Like, I guess it's technically before alpha, so you can call it that, but <laughs> what, what you're really showing me is sort of a proof of concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, do, I do wonder whether they're, uh, they're muddying the, the terminology even further, because um, I don't know, when I first heard of pre-early pre access, I was kind of thinking, oh, that means beta, right? Like, we're getting to see Oops. the game mostly finished, and nope, that, as it <laughs> turns out, that's the paradigm, but <laughs> very often it's not, uh, yeah. it's not the case. Well, and I know the, you get some developers in there that are kind of abusive of that system. They'll they'll just shovel out crap. Yeah. Mm. And and the last term I, I kind of want to touch on is when I mentioned earlier is this concept of crunch time, which, I, I mean, I guess the name kind of uh, says it all. It's just when there's a deadline and everyone's working like mad to it. And I gather that Q&A, like every other department, gets caught up in that uh, mess. Uh, yeah. is, is, the, <laughs> is there a... Uh, I guess I guess crunch time, how long it is, and the the conditions vary from game to game. There, there's what a month out, two months out, or well, let's see here. I've <laughs> been my first project in QA actually. On my first day on the project, we worked 
either 12 or 14 hours, and that was in July, and it lasted until December. So crunch That was time my introduction is, uh, into QA. So yeah. crunch, crunch time is a fluid concept that uh, moves around a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think and, the thing that I, I would, I'll just talk over you for a second, Nick, and then I'll give it back to you. The yeah. thing that I've always kind of found is that um, it's crunch time gets kind of rough on QA because we're sort of the last stop on the train. You know, and it's the developers like they're putting in their code and they're fixing and you get these bug squashing parties and then you just get like this giant uh, load of crap that flows downstream to QA and then we sort of have to sift it and, and send it up. And so uh, QA always kind of seems to get the shaft on crunch time uh, <laughs> yeah. much more than the developers do. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. No worries. Um, yeah, it's that's <laughs> oh. It's the the idea of a bug squashing party is just weird because the w one of the one of the weird things about when uh, you're pulling that much time, when you're fixing bugs, if you're in like uh, firefighting or triage mode, engineers try to do quick things to fix bugs, and that often makes other bugs. And there's a lot of pressure on QA, especially in the mobile environment when you've got much shorter development cycles and you want to release things, you know, fairly quickly. Um, there, there's a lot of pressure to just be like, okay, we got this build, approve it in like a half hour. It's like, no, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> we've, I, I've gone through some, some ugly things with that. But as far as the concept of crunch time overall, um, you know, there's definitely going to be times when overtime is entirely called for, but for any sort of extended crunch time, and, and I'm talking like more than a couple weeks uh, I, I, I kind of lean towards thinking that there was some error in management on some level as far as being able to uh, 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 figure out exactly how much work is coming in, how much is needed yeah. uh, versus your capacity right now. Because if, if, it's if you're trying to just get a whole bunch of hours on a project, guess what? If you bring in more people, it will be less expensive and higher quality because everybody's not all burnt out yeah, and you're not paying them overtime. There's a diminishing return there with people oh, if absolutely. you overwork them, right? <laughs> like yes. in anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I might get... Um, well, I was going to ask about horror stories. Uh, and and <laughs> Nick, you've, you've already kind of... Uh, <laughs> You've kind of touched on one. I have I... not started with horror. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll let Gre I'll let Greg uh, go run with one, and then uh, we can get back to you if you do, if you have one that's even worse, perhaps. What what would your your uh, night uh, nightmare Q and A uh, one be if there's one to pick, Greg? If I had to pick just my one nightmare, it's it's hard to do because I'm sort of the kind of guy who sort of likes putting out the fires. <laughs> So, like, they're horror stories, but, like, they're the best part of my job because then, you know, there's fires to put out. And that's sort of where, where I where I like to be. But I am... Um, if you're going to write into the Trenches comic, you know, how they have those <laughs> user ones, uh, like... What oh, would yeah. I, um... So I, I was just given this, this terrible task of, of trying to do... I was trying to verify a build, like, for shipping. And the, the way it would... Like, the, the, the company couldn't afford to pay me my normal rate. So I was... Sort of given two hours to to verify, and, <laughs> and it was it was a little bit of crunch time, and I mean it's it was a little uh, stressful, and there, I was just there was just no way they could pay me more. It's like basically like you you either would have to pro bono this or you got two hours, and so I was just I was rushing just to try to get everything I tested that I possibly could in those two hours because I was not going to do pro bono. That's I've said this on Point <laughs> Street before. If you're good at something, you don't do it for free. 
That's the Joker. That's the Joker. You know what he was talking about. Uh, so that was probably that was the the one time where it was not fun. Um, but yeah, usually when when it's a nightmare, I at least can appreciate it's a good story. Um, <laughs> but I think the bug squashing parties are my my least favorite horror story. Well, they're not glamorous in that it's just. Well, first of all, I don't understand why testers need to stay for the bug squashing party because we don't get the build until the next day. So I don't know what you expect us to do when we're staying late while you guys are squashing bugs. Like, um, drinking juice because all the bug squashing <laughs> is going to mean that tomorrow is going to be my busy day having to well, write up that, all the that's bugs. That's the kind of situation where it would help if you were, uh, like I mentioned, working directly with the developers and you could just have like a, an ad hoc build. You're like, okay, check this thing I just put in and then you could verify their logic and that would help. But if you're getting a complete build at the end with everything put in, then yeah, there's no point. Yeah, so that's that's my annoyance, but it's not really a horror story. But that's what I got. Anything worse than the the first one you brought up, Nick? Or oh boy, I I it, it's it's the kind of situation here where I've got a whole lot of different things I could say. So what I'm gonna tell <laughs> is something from way back when, and I won't go into specifics here. Sort of like the Tales from the Trenches comics, and it's actually something I've thought about submitting to them. Yeah, but uh, there was a company-wide meeting that was sent company-wide. Problem was, it was not meant for the contractors, and so you had a room, an auditorium filled with everybody, um, and including the possibly, maybe not the majority, but a very significant chunk of them were QA contractors. And the speaker was talking about how he wanted things to to run such that you know this is a way to advance your career and 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 things like that have like pardon me uh um like one of the things that got brought up was an internal job posting board so you didn't have to get locked into something and you could have viable career advancement opportunities and he was saying this to a room filled with many people who were not going to be with the company in two months not surprisingly, this very quickly devolved into a whole bunch of the contract testers raising their hands and honestly asking a bunch of stupid questions. Because, you know, a lot of entry-level testers fancy themselves game designers when they really don't know how to do that very well. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it got pretty painful. One of my friends there uh, said he almost raised his hand to, to ask if I could at least get a kiss first. <laughs> it, it, it got it got really awkward uh there was one point where one question came up about uh, uh future employment opportunities for a contractor and when it became clear exactly what had happened the speaker uttered the most amazingly um non-committal answer i've ever heard which was yeah no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> wow um, <laughs> well, uh, we might get to a couple of perception, uh, questions. Um, what would, given that you guys have worked in the trenches, so to speak, what would be the number one misconception that, uh, that you think gamers have about the reality of, uh, of QA other than the fact that it's the, you know, the most glamorous, um, right. you know, I'm, job I'm gonna, in the industry. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump on this one because this is, this is one of my major pet peeves is that. Um, gamers think that every bug that they've discovered in their game, QA missed. <laughs> that one drives me up the wall. Like they just, a lot of gamers just have no concept of the known shippable. <laughs> As designed, it's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told that before. I have. <laughs> uh, how about you? How about you, Nick? Is there any one uh, one thing that you that you've heard uh, gamers spouting that you just you, you know and to be true, not to be true? 
Yeah, that's uh, Greg has probably the biggest one there. The other one is there's still enough of a misconception that what you do is play games all day, and there's <laughs> there's such a big difference between playing and testing. It it it's it almost doesn't um, deserve to be dignified with a response. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, there was famously, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal some of Nick's thunder here because he uh, he did a review on it. There was a reality show on the PlayStation Network called The Tester, and the prize the prize of the show <laughs> is becoming an entry level tester for Sony. Um, yeah, and, and Nick, uh, I'll let you talk on it because you actually did like an episode by episode breakdown of this thing back when it was on. If it is for the love of God, please, 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 people don't look that up. They're horrible. I should take them. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think I had about three good jokes in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was watching that was a little surreal because I would just sit there thinking, like, why are you doing this? This is the most bizarre thing. And they come up with these weird challenges as ex, as excuses for getting rid of people. So it was, you know, your standard kind of reality show every week they eliminate someone until you get to a final, like two or three or four or whatever, and they have this massive like race competition thing and the first person who can complete all this stuff wins and it's it was a little bit like a cross between i don't know like project one runway <laughs> and the wizard <laughs> um yeah and but not and, as good as he made that sound because i was watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. No, it was not good. Big screens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was the biggest thing that always got me is like these kids. And I say kids because like some of them were actually kind of old. Um, I think Big Physique. I give shout outs to Big Physique on the show. I think Big Physique was in his <laughs> 30s when he was on the show. And uh, yeah, and, and they're just like, oh, I, just, I love games so much. And, and I want to play games and I want to I want to design games. I'm like, yeah, you're an entry level tester. They're going to give you a console and a room in the basement. And it's not just your room. You're going to share it with 80 other people. And that room is going to be 12 by 12. And you're going to be in there for the rest of your life. Big physique would then be consuming about six people's worth of space. Yes. He was a big dude. He earned the name Big Physique. However, I do actually still watch his YouTube channels. Uh, They're wildly entertaining. Um, probably unintentionally. <laughs> is he uh, is he still entry level, or has he worked his way up the ranks? Oh, he, he never. He did win. He got eliminated. He um, I, I oh. think he actually. I think he, based on what I've seen on this video, I think he comes from trust fund money. I don't mm-hmm. think he's got to worry about work. <laughs> uh, he actually was an actor, uh, though he's got an acting credit on uh, The Sopranos. Huh. So, so I think he's been an, an extra in some stuff, which makes yeah, me sort yeah. of wonder how much was real on the tester. Yeah, that was an accusation that came out a lot about uh, people saying that they brought him in specifically as an actor to make things interesting because he was the big rabble rouser that season. Yeah. So it it seems a little conspicuous. <laughs> um, well, I, I might check that one out if if only to uh, if only to get a glimpse of what this big physique fellow looks like. You've uh, piqued my interest. Um, well, oh dear God! It backfired. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, I might ask, uh, like I said, a couple of perception questions. Um, and, you know, I don't know how old you are, Nick, but Greg and I are always going on about how we've been around since the... Yeah, he's as old like as the... we are, Jeff. He's, uh, he's okay. one year older than me. All so. right. Well, then well then we, you, we can all uh, speak to this. Uh, I, <clears throat> I, I admit, uh, back in the day, it's not like I never saw a bug. I certainly did. Uh, but I don't, re- I don't ever remember really... There being that many games that 
you would consider to be completely crippled by them. And it's it's and nor nor do I remember a lot of sort of controversy about oh you know this sh- they should refund this blah 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 it and I don't know whether this is just my memory playing tricks with me but the the, the grumpy old man part of me thinks that the games have gotten buggier over time and I don't I don't know whether that's just an incorrect perception or whether there's actually some truth to that um it, do you, do you reckon there is any truth to that Nick and Greg like yeah, are they buggy some it's it's yes. As with many things, this is a multidimensional question because uh, one thing that would contribute to that is uh, when we were kids, we didn't necessarily notice this, but yeah. a lot of games got released in Japan first, were there for a few months, right. maybe maybe even years yeah. before they got translated and ported over. And in the time of translating and porting, they would fix bugs that came out on the original releases. There were also some games that came out and actually had re-releases with bug fixes in them. Uh, Greg, you might remember there was uh, re-releases of the old N64 wrestling games that had bug fixes in them. Yes, there were. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, another thing is a lot of games from back in the day, uh, the ones you remember are the ones that didn't suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I guess there, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there, there, were, there were older games that had bugs. There were also... Most of the older games were a lot simpler. The more complex things are, yeah. the more likely it is there's going to be problems in the logic. Yeah. Because you start uh, coming up with layers upon layers upon layers of technology all getting involved. They all have to talk to each other in the same language. They all have to get along with each other. And if one of them has an internal problem or any of them have trouble talking with each other, then it's going to be, uh, it, there's going to be a bug in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so just the more complex things get, uh, uh, the, the more prone to problems there's going to be. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, it's, s- it's, there are a lot, the, the logical lines of code in games today are exponentially higher. So yeah. stands to and, reason. And, and what's more, what's more, there's a lot more, uh, varieties in the hardware now, uh, the, yeah. uh you know, way back when, you know, Atari, Nintendo, Sega, it's a stable platform, which is why you develop for it. Uh, on PC, you have to start taking into account different processors, different uh, uh, levels of memory and video cards and so forth. Yeah. Uh, uh, and if you're going in mobile, same sort of thing. You have to take in account different operating systems, different uh, CPUs, GPUs, memory, screen resolution. Uh, manufacturer even can come into play there. So yeah. with all of these things getting together, it just uh, increases the complexity by orders of magnitude and makes things a lot more obvious. And on top of that, the the market is getting a little bit more. I wouldn't necessarily say the market accepts buggy things, mm-hmm. but the market understands that you know if this is a bug, you know, okay, it's a thing. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, if if the market could not accept that, Fallout Three would never have been a success. <laughs> that thing crashes all the damn time. Exactly. Yeah. Items that are just missing. Yeah. <laughs> and I I get and, my, and what I was going to get to next was the the concept of the and I don't I I can honestly not remember the first time I ever encountered this, but the concept of the patch, which is the downloadable or installable Absolutely. or whatever. It see it, I mean, is it fair to say that that's kind of revolutionized things in terms of the you know the fact that the Q and A continues beyond the game's release and and the bug fixing in some cases never really stops (laughs) and and the lifespan of the game the the q a continues well well into it yeah i'd have to assume it is yeah yeah i mean to be honest the patch has been around much longer than i've been in qa so 
I, I don't know what it was like back in the day when it was, all right, you snap the chalk and then it's done. <laughs> um, well, hell, because... the first Penny Arcade comic strip, I think, was talking about waiting for a patch. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I can vaguely, I think you're, you're, <laughs> I think you're probably right. I, I can, I can kind of remember that. Um, you know, in the days of, uh, in the days of Steam, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I see, I look down and see Steam doing stuff all the time that I'm not really aware of. And then I look at it later and go, oh, it patched this, you know, yeah. and it's something we almost take for granted now. Um, but it does, I, th- I mean, again, maybe it's just a perception thing, but to me, it, it does seem to mean that every once in a while, you get a game like an Arkham Origins or a Skyrim or a Fallout that's got some stuff that probably shouldn't have been there <laughs> when it was released and they're just thinking to themselves well we're just going to uh take the early criticism and fix it when it like is that is that an added is that attitude actually exist now of just you know accepting these uh arguably broken things and fixing them when 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 time allows uh... never at any project that i've been associated with. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it almost seems like uh kind of like the you know the the attitude that the car companies take to the, you know, they weigh up how much money they could possibly be sued for versus the amount of money to <laughs> it actually get fixed. Um, yeah. And, you know, the business came... side of these things always gets a little murky because you've yeah. got dates that you've been uh, committed to. And if you've got like, I don't know, let's just say, for example, a $5 million marketing campaign based around this is released now. Okay. Yeah. If you've got this release date and you have, this much time to go to press and this much time for shipping, this much time in, say, it's a console game, so you've got a physical disc you're shipping. Mm-hmm. Console games also have to go through another round of testing uh, with the, um, uh, the like Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo. Yeah. And you might need to buffer that out a couple times in ca- uh, for a couple weeks in case you need to fix errors that they find and come back. So, you know, you stretched that all out. You got a pretty, you know, significant amount of time. Yeah between when you have to be done and when it's on the shelves. Uh, And so there comes a point, and and there's a lot on the line for it, so there has to come a point where you're like, look, we've done everything we can. The engineers are telling us that this will probably take us this much longer to track down and fix or improve or anything, or we have this bug that we have absolutely no idea what's going on, but it only happens like one out of every 300 game sessions or something, very low uh, and I, not necessarily a low reproduction in terms of everywhere, everyone across the world playing. How many will see it? A lot. But in terms of being able to reproduce it and see what's going on in the lab, it's yeah. very, very difficult. So those are the kinds of uh, uh, financial calculus that has to go on on the business side of things. And that's actually one of the things that's, uh, that's tricky about QA because at one point, we have to be the evangelists for trying to get everything we can fixed. Right. But if you want to be really good QA, you have to know when to back off or how to suggest Pick like, your battles. an intermediate <laughs> fix. Yeah, you know, yeah. if, if, the, if the engineers are open to hearing suggestions, then um, you, you can do some good stuff by saying, look, this will, if you say, tweak this this way, or if this can be done, it will solve the problem, or if we, you know, modify this, or something like that, hmm. uh, uh, then you can mitigate things significantly. Yeah. I mean, speaking as the average gamer, and I don't know that I am, but I will for the purposes of this, <laughs> this discussion, uh, I don't I don't mind so much when bugs are there at re- release, but I, I for me the trust and the appreciation for for a company that will actually fix those problems 
goes a long way. Like yeah. uh, hearing about companies like Warner and what you know their tough shit sort of attitude towards Arkham Origins, like that's the, that's the stuff I hear and go, come on, <laughs> like right. you really but, think that I mean, that isn't going to come back to bite you? It's <laughs> not the QA guy though. I mean, no, I'm, no, no. I I won't speak for every person in QA because there's you know a few of them, but I know Just for me, yeah. I've I'm in a unique situation in that a lot of my contract work is uh, you actually got to present it to the customer and get the customer to sign off on it. I know gamers would love that, but so <laughs> oh, I don't I don't Jesus. have the luxury of sometimes saying like, well, hopefully no one will notice because like the customer actually has to say we accept what you've given us. <laughs> Please um, God, I hope that never happens with <laughs> games because if you start opening up like payment to uh, uh, subjective reviews of balancing in gameplay, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the the other side of that is that I have been at these places where a customer finds a bug right in front of me. And even if it's something that I really had no chance of being able to catch and it was something that we couldn't ever have reproduced, I uh, I feel personally embarrassed and I almost take it like a, a, a hit on my honor. Like I'm pulling out the dagger for Harry Carey. <laughs> like, I have I have failed. And and I know there's bugs in there. Like, listen, I'm not I'm not ignorant. I've I see the reports. I know there's bugs in there. But the point is, like, I don't want the customer to find any bugs that significantly alter what they're doing. And you know, the other part of that is that when we know there's bugs in there that the, the government's or sorry, the customer's going to see, um, then you know you tell them like, hey, FYI, uh, you're going to see this, and we're working on it, or you're going to see this, and that's just the way it is. But it's old it's, notes. They're helpful. <laughs> yeah. But they, um, you know, y you tell them about it, but it's when they find the one that you didn't, you know, that you didn't either catch or that one that, you know, they thought was a way much bigger deal than you did. That's when it becomes embarrassing. Uh, so I'm going to be kind of speaking for the QA. I'm sure the QA doesn't like it when a game gets released and everyone's like, oh, this game is so buggy. Who did QA on it? Because the guy's thinking like, listen, I'm good at my job. Don't don't lump me in with this. I wanted all the bugs fixed. But... <laughs> Yeah, well, I might, I might, uh, I might finish by uh, asking um, you both: Is there any one thing, just in the interest of time, that could be done to sort of, uh, imp you know, improve the Q and A process, or a mistake that's too often made, a corner that's too often cut, that could, uh, that could make a, make things go better? I guess, for, for lack of a better word, the is is there something that you see happen over and over again, Nick, that, you know, would just be a, a step in the right direction uh, as far as making sure QA gets done correctly or they're, they're allowing them to be able to do their jobs unhindered, I guess? That's an interesting question, actually. Um, hmm. I'm going to have to take a powder on this and let Greg answer first. Eliminate release dates. Oh, God. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. What the blu the, bl the Blizzard methodology? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it's done no when it's done. No, 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 that's the 3D realms method. When it's yeah. done, yeah, uh, when it's done, yeah. just all right. So when it's done, oh, we don't got to get it out for this release. It can re-release in three years from now. That's fine. Yeah, just eliminate them and AAA publishers. Both of those things. Simple yeah. fixes. Simple <laughs> fixes. Right. Well, in just in fairness, bringing up the 3D realms idea, does it get result? Like, are there are there releases less buggy, or is is there tangible benefits to? That? No, he's talking about Duke Nukem Duke Forever, Duke. Jeff. Oh. <laughs> okay, I thought we were talking about a. So uh... the answer is no. They're not less buggy. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. Um, anything come to mind, uh, Nick, or, um, is it, is it too, <laughs> is there just too many, uh, did I take the low hanging fruit? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it's, 
<laughs> I, I think, okay, I think what I'm going to have to say is um, producers who understand that there are going to be bugs that did not get found. This is going to happen. It's unavoidable. In any piece of software that isn't of trivial complexity, and even in software of trivial complexity, there's going to be bugs, and there's going to be, they're going to be in ways that it's going to be damn near impossible to find. I mean, one of the things that is the most surefire way to find bugs in a game is release it to the public, because they're going to do all kinds of crazy crap that you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. Um, like, freaking on mobile, you know, you can have a jailbroken phone that has this other thing installed on it, and that'll cause you to crash. Like, well, how was I supposed to know that? There's no way you could know that, and you're not going to sit there and compare freaking everything. But on top of that, when, say, in crunch time, particularly in crunch time, uh, you know, late when things are going really, really fast, and you find a bug, and a producer comes up and says, why wasn't this found earlier? That is like the most insulting freaking thing. But we're Ooh, hired and really we're working guys. They're all thankful when I find bugs. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if it's a, I can understand the perspective, not the, not exactly the, the meaning, but I can understand the perspective. If this is a really big problem and it wasn't found until late, well, guess what? That's why we keep spending time on it is to try to ferret these things out. That kind of thinking, it drives me. It actually drives me kind of nuts. This aspect of it, uh, where some people think, particularly in games, that you can kind of just test plan for everything. That is bogus. You cannot write a test plan that will cover everything. And again, something of greater than uh, trivial complexity, especially in games when the players are going to try to outsmart your system. So you have to have a very broad understanding of what the supported user paths are. And uh, oh, I'm kind of going off into the middle of nothing here. Aren't <laughs> I do a follow-up podcast on how to fix Q and A. Oh, I can I can go off on a lot of things for a long time. I'm sure you can just probably let me rant. For a <laughs> well, step one: no release date. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much, guys. I I, um, I had a note here to ask about what you thought about open betas, but uh, again, again, uh, I do want to keep this. Uh, to a reasonable, <laughs> to a reasonable <laughs> length, and I, I do want to go back and um, and talk about early access at some point. I think that is becoming enough of a um, hot topic on its own <laughs> uh, that it, that it might be worth discussing. And although I, I may need to actually try a couple of early, early access games rather than just hear about them secondhand to form a, a better opinion, but um, thank you very much. And uh, we'll just quickly do our for fun our uh, my high score quiz, which as always is tied to the topic question. In this case. Uh, so multiple choice as always. Um, I'll ask you first, Nick. Uh, which one of these three infamously bad slash buggy PC titles is the game with the lowest Metacritic rating of all time? Your, cho no. your choices are <laughs> A. Big Rigs Over the Road Racing, B. Oh, Gettysburg God. Armored Warfare, and C. Ride to Hell Retribution. <laughs> I believe it's Ride to Hell. <laughs> So you're going with C. And how about you, Greg? I think it's Ride to Hell 2, but just to make it interesting, I'm going to go with A. With Big Rigs over the road yeah. racing. Because that one was pretty bad, too. So uh, <laughs> flip the coin, really. <laughs> All right. Well, the answer is, in fact, A, Big Rigs over the road racing. Oh, right. I thought what that I... one got enough ironic votes. Well, you know, it's funny. There are a lot of ironic votes, and yet it still has managed a Metacritic rating of 8. 
And if you know how that Metacritic system works, that is astoundingly low. <laughs> that, that's out of 100, right? Yes, that's 8 out of 100. Wow. Uh, Ride to Hell is, I think, uh, the third from the bottom, if if not fourth. Uh, Gettysburg Armored Warfare is, I think, in the bottom 10. It was pretty crap, too. It And it was uh, it was released. Well, they were all released pretty broken. Uh, yeah, no, Big Rigs, uh, that's yeah. that's legendarily bad. Uh, even even the Angry Video Game Nerd uh, did a <laughs> review of that a few months back. That, uh, that was, uh, for a game that I'd seen reviewed a bunch of times, he even managed to surprise me with how, bro- and that, that concept of falling out of world, uh, driving out of world is another matter <laughs> altogether. <laughs> I um, actually saw, there was, you can find an interview with one of the guys behind Big rig over the roads racing, and I I don't think he's sorry. I don't know. It's bizarre. It's... Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'll finish up with my uh, old school recommendation of the week, and I don't know that this counts as old school because this game came out in two thousand five. But I honestly couldn't think of a ga- uh, an older, buggier game. Just I I couldn't I couldn't think of one that was as buggy as this. Two thousand five Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic to the Sith Lords for PC. Uh, a game that was rushed, <laughs> to say the least, released with huge sections cut out, something like 500 known bugs at release that were later fixed with a lot, happily fixed with a lot of unofficial patches released by the modding community. There's another topic we could do. <laughs> uh, a lot of the content was actually later unlocked by the modding community. The entire planets, as far as I'm aware, were were, were unlocked. Um, it, it was a broken and incomplete game that, you know, despite that, was actually pretty enjoyable. It was frustrating, though, knowing that it could have been so much better than it actually was. Uh, you know, I mean, if you enjoyed the first Knights of the Old Republic, there's a lot of the same great stuff in there. It's just, unfortunately, it uh, when it's over, you're just left feeling... Huh? <laughs> like, uh, where? Like, th- because even though the content was cut out, a lot of the hinting was was still there, uh, and and you're left wondering uh, where it went. And when I read uh, what had actually happened, the backstory, it it was a little bit frustrating. It was a pretty bitter send off to a series um, that was, you know, from my opinion, just killed off by Bioware's greed. Re Old Republic MMO. And I'll leave that there because the less <laughs> the less said about that game, the better. Yes. I, I I know that this is supposed to be a recommendation. I do actually still recommend the game, and because <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're recommending the game. Well, I'll look, be honest it, with you. you know, it's 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 one of those things that I didn't realize until after I'd played it what had happened with the development, <laughs> and it made and it made me a bit angry in in retrospect. But uh, you know, now that the modding community has kind of uh, semi rescued the game, I'm thinking about giving it another look and. I would kind of recommend anyone uh, looking at it to maybe look into that as well. I mean, I'm hearing I'm hearing that it's uh, at least 20 to 30 percent of that hidden content has been uh, sort of lovingly placed back into it. So uh, I wish I could have come up with something a little bit older, but <laughs> I can't I can't really think of any. I mean, I, I can I can certainly remember bugs back in the day, and um, I'm sure. I, I can vaguely remember Die Katana being a bit of a mess, but I but I wouldn't recommend that game, so it's difficult to <laughs> to put that in my recommendation setting. Uh, well, thank you again, guys. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, uh, we're from enthusiacs.com, www.enthusiacs.com. Our Twitter feed at enthusiacs and our video uh, content at our channel enthusiacs. Um, we've got a thriving forum community there. Uh, come and join in in the discussion. Our email address for this podcast is pointstreak at enthusiasts.com if you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for us. Uh, thanks again to my guests, uh, Greg and Nick. 
um, I will uh, I will keep you guys in mind the next time we have to uh, peek behind the curtain of the uh, <laughs> of of gaming development because uh, you're the the closest thing I have to uh, well you are experts I'm not going to say the closest thing. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, thank you again. Uh, you, you guys were uh, very kind to uh, to join in uh, and and um, and give a, an insider uh, peek. Uh, we don't we normally normally it's just a lot of gamers sitting around uh, ranting, and <laughs> it's nice to have a, a couple of uh, people who actually have some hands-on uh, experience with this stuff, uh, which I think uh, our listeners will enjoy. Thanks again, guys, and uh, join us again for another episode of Point Street. Have a good night. Stay.